Welcome to We Still Ain't Got Our Shit Together podcast. I am your host, John Wayne Willis Jr. And on this podcast, we're going to cover all topics. We are actually a boundary-free zone. And I plan to invite as many guests as possible so that we can talk about our options. Just like in many things in life, you know, we all think life has a time frame. But the truth of the matter is, is that we're also getting our shit together. So stay tuned and have fun. Hey, hey, what up, though? What up, though? What up, though? Get closer when you talk. Now say it. What up, though? <laughs> what up, though? How you living, man? I'm feeling good, man. Thanks for having me. Come into the microphone. How do you hear yourself now? All right. So we're going to try this one more time. I ain't going to edit this part out either. What up, though? What's going on? What up, though? What's up, though? What up, though? Man, welcome back, everybody, to another podcast if we still ain't got our shit together. And I'm your host, John Wayne Willis Jr., of course. And today I am accompanied by my boy, my newly-to-be cousin-in-law, mm-hmm. Webb, the investor. Yes, now, just a little bit bit about Webb's background, and he'll be able to dive into it a bit. He owns a credit repair company, and he's an up-and-coming re- uh, real estate tycoon is the best way to put it. Would you say that? I would say that's a, you know, that's a, good, that's a good indication, I guess you could say. Um, <laughs> I'm going to call myself a tycoon, but you know, I'm always learning and always trying to find new ways to develop my skills and, and build generational wealth. So uh, I think that's something that, that uh, I can provide you know, value to your listeners and uh, I look forward to any questions that you kind of give me. All right, all right. So, the first thing I would say is the first question I have. Um, one is probably what brought about uh, Dispute Web Credit, which is his company. So, if you ever need any help with credit, that's one thing you might want to take a look at. But in this country, do you really believe that it's true that most people don't want you to learn about credit? So, you know, that's, that's a loaded question. I'm, I'm going to start with just my background just to kind of give people just some more information just about who I am and, you know, why I started this company. Um, so so for those that don't know me, uh, my name is Web the Investor um, you know, on Instagram, on Facebook. And I've always been a numbers guy, I've always been someone that has, uh, you know, had a knack for numbers and that really trickled down after I graduated college and I didn't understand uh, which direction I wanted to go in, but I knew that business was one of my means in which I wanted to express my skills. So uh, I was working a nine to five job, and uh, one thing that I noticed when I would speak to a lot of my coworkers is that they didn't understand credit or how credit worked. <clears throat> they didn't understand the complexities of how your credit score is uh, uh, recorded and and scored. They didn't understand how. Uh, uh, interest work, interest rates work, and uh, I asked you know several of my colleagues, and most of them had below a 600 credit score, and I saw that as a problem, because I know me growing up, uh, you know most of my family they didn't know anything about credit, and that's something that we see prevalent in the black commu- the black community. So not only did I I see that my coworkers and, and a lot of people that you know were around me that didn't understand credit and didn't understand how to improve their credit, I saw a need right there. 
Mm. So the first thing I did was really just take the first steps in, in trying to build this this business from the ground up. Uh, and, and slowly but surely, we were able to, to assist more and more people in, in the New Jersey area. And then it, it grew into this uh, to this business um, where we've um, been able to help many, many uh, individuals go from, from, from poor credit to, uh, to great credit uh, within just a, a few months. So that's just a, just a little bit about, about myself. And what, what was the question again that you had, the second part? All right. The question was a little bit about teaching people about credit in this country. So the concept is, I think you kind of answered it a bit throughout your background when you spoke a little bit about how the people you knew, your parents, how people did not understand about credit, but how important credit is. Like, it's your lifeline almost to an extent in this country um, or across the world, any, like you would say, major player, where if you want to buy a car, if you if you want to get a house, even a business loan, people, um, credit matters. So I think that it's very glaring when you see and you hear people talk about not knowing what credit is so or understanding credit at least i think I, and, and that's that's a great that's a great observation and this is something that i tell people all the time is that you know you this is something that you're not taught in high school right you, you for, for the fact of the matter you're not even taught this in college so if you're not having these conversations at the dinner table with family members about credit and financial literacy where else are you learning this right so and this goes to individuals that especially um that I, that I can relate to myself growing in inner city um especially in elizabeth uh, new jersey which is uh the next city from newark new jersey um you know this is not discussed in your neighborhoods right credit is not discussed from your neighborhoods um so you know we're always taught yeah make sure your credit is good but no one's ever teaching you okay how do you get there right mm. so if you're not learning this from your schools, your, your own community, and you're not learning this from anywhere else, where else are you learning this? And this is why uh, our financial system takes advantage of the ignorance of people, and no fault of their own because it's not taught to them, and they go out and uh, take out loans and don't understand how to properly pay them on time. And that's the definition of credit, the ability to pay back on time. So once you make a once you make a mistake and you, and you go and make several mistakes on your credit, it can be that much harder to to climb back to once you what, what you once were mm-hmm. and or build your credit to where you can use to leverage in order to build wealth cuz cuz credit and cash go hand in hand that's the you know your credit you need your credit in order to build wealth and anyone that tells you otherwise is, is lying to you all right i'm going to ask you a question about test your knowledge just a little bit who said the way to build wealth is to go go into debt as far as possible and leverage it So you're telling me you? Uh, no, I'm asking the question. I'm asking. <laughs> I just want to. Say, I, I mean, you know, I just, I, I'm just going to test. I'm just testing a little bit. I know Webb likes to read a bit, so I'm just testing. A person wrote a certain book. He's even talked a little bit about you know cash flow and other things like that. I know you're real big on assets, acquiring assets, and letting that work for you. So, so I'm assuming you're talking about Mr. Robert Kiyosaki. Oh my guy. So, Tell people go in far into debt as possible and let it work for you. So it's funny how you said, you know, credit and cash go hand in hand. Right. But what you hear a lot of people say, especially if you want to start a business, is start that business on somebody else's dime. Right. right? Create your business, do what you got to do, and then 
as you begin to make money, you pay that off and you go from there and you're able to, to see your gains grow up from that point there. So I always think that's kind of funny when people hear it. So it's like there's a difference in good debt and bad debt. That brings me to my next question. Can you explain to the people what's the difference between good debt and bad debt? So in layman's term as much as possible. Absolutely, absolutely. So we all know what bad debt is, right? So this is debt that's not working for you. All mm-hmm. right. So you have what's called compound interest, right? So you have the interest that's building against you. And this is the most common thing we can think of as a student loan, right? So, you know, here in America we have over a trillion dollars of student loan debt. So when you take out a student loan, yes, you took out an investment in order to, to get a job and hopefully pay off that student loan, but at the end of the day, that's considered bad debt. Now, good debt is in a form of when you take debt out in a form of an asset that's actually putting money back into your pocket. So this could mean a business. This could mean rental, rental property. This could mean any 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 type of asset that's that's creating a dividend back to you, right? So if you if you take out a, for example, a three hundred thousand dollar mortgage, and you know that's a rental property with three units, and so you're having three sources of income per unit. Yes, you took out that debt, but now you're getting cash flow. You're getting rental income from mm-hmm. that debt, right? So a lot of people have to understand that, um, you know, the differences between good debt and bad debt, and how to properly use it and leverage it in order to to, to build wealth for yourself and your family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's real. That's real. Um. So, talking about that, so we talked about purchasing a house, maybe taking out $300,000 loan to do so, but as an investment property, um, as an investment property, can people also look at purchasing a home the conventional way and living in it as good debt? Because I think that's one of the things that you see, especially now with interest rate being so low, is, hey, I'm trying to jump on getting a house, jump on getting a house, jump on getting a house, um, and that way... You know, you get to see people and hopefully they understand that that is or is not good debt. So what do you think? I think that's that's one of the quickest ways to um, to build wealth. And that's one of the ways that I started um, with with real estate as well is really it's, it's called it's a term called house hacking mm-hmm. where you you take out a you take out a loan or mortgage rather and you live in one of the units and you rent the other units out, whether it's a, 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 a two unit, three unit mm-hmm. or a four unit uh, residential building. So that's one of the quickest ways to, to build wealth. Um, you're learning how to not only manage your own asset, but you're getting rental income, which can either take care of the mortgage itself mm-hmm. or you can actually get cash flow. You can have, have actually more than what's, what's needed to cover the mortgage. Um, but the first thing, the first thing that starts with just getting yourself in that type of position starts with not only just your income in order to, to qualify, for for the for the the um for the actual uh property but also your 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 credit right your credit is is a is a key factor because without your credit you 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 know there's there's no way in order for you to be approved for that loan mm-hmm. okay so you know whether you're going the the FHA route which we'll talk about or you're going the conventional route it really starts you know with your credit in order to to build wealth and and, and get your hands on this asset all right all right Man, he's giving y'all some 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 clear gems. If you ever decide to get out there and get property as um you know an investor for rentals or or not, I think one of the things about what you spoke about, which are multi-unit homes living, 
is very prominent, like in the east and the north, mm-hmm. versus somewhere like where we are right now in the great state of Georgia. Mm-hmm. But you're not going to find a ton of multi unit homes. Right. I mean, I could think of a few areas right now that are really going to have multi unit homes, but maybe three in the greater Atlanta area. Right. So that's something that's really interesting because that plays a huge difference on investing so the next question would be do you think it's smart for people to invest in maybe cities outside of their own i think so right so there's pros and cons with investing in cities outside your own um the number one the number one con is you're not actually there to to manage the property yourself so you have to you know relinquish control and have boots on the ground or have someone that you know Mm -hmm. to check in on that property right because at the end of the day once your name is on that property whether it's you know you personally uh your name is personally on the the property or is it through like a like an llc or or a different entity you're still responsible so that's that's one of the cons the pros the pros you know there's different pros to it as well um uh, if you if you properly structure how you buy the property and you place uh, let's just say you're like a, a property manager mm-hmm. um and uh you have great tenants that are stable then the property pretty much pays for itself i know you mentioned earlier that here in northeast whether that's new jersey uh, dc connecticut new york right multi-families are super you know prominent right mm-hmm. so you can go ahead and, and house hack and be able to uh, you know, offset that mortgage or earn cash flow. But as opposed to the South, there's not really as many rentals as the Northeast, right? But but what I what I typically see um, here in this area are residential units that have that have a big enough lot to where they have maybe what's called like a sister-in-law suite or a sister-in-law pr- uh, property on the on the actual lot itself, right? So that's that, that can be okay. a form of a house hack, right? So where you live in one 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 tiny section of that of that lot and you rent out the main house right so that's that's just one way oh so you mean kind of like having an out like a like a guest house or a guest suite or a butler suite exactly exactly okay okay there's some people that actually convert that into an actual unit itself nah i mean that's big like i think um airbnb um there's a couple other uh vacation rental spots like that where people turn rooms into income or turn a butler suite into an income or in-law suite into an income, mm-hmm. and they're able to do that. I mean, I think that's a whole nother ball game that we may have to – I think that itself might be a full podcast to itself. Yeah, absolutely. Talking about how to invest in to make money through Airbnb. Airbnb is a big business. Big, big, big business. If you structure it right, especially in the, if you're in the, the right area. Oh, my God. Um, you know, you can easily make a, a you know a great a great income and, and, and really get a return on your investment yeah. through Airbnb. Yeah, that's real. Mm-hmm. Um, shoot let's kind of go take it back a little bit slower um you know i know we kind of dove directly right into uh maybe investing in homes and 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 a lot of that uh but can you tell a few people what are some things that they can do on their own to really try to stay on top of their credit as of now like what what can somebody do to check credit What, what what are some of the ways that you know, if you didn't have money to go to somebody like you, that you can begin the process of fixing your credit or, you know, putting yourself back on track or even if you're already on track, staying on track. Right. So one of the number one things that people can do 
and this is um this is something that they can do from home is actually go on annualcreditreport.com and they can actually pull um what lenders would, be, would call a tri-merge credit report that way they can actually see their actual credit report which is shown from the three credit bureaus experian transunion and equifax so these are the three credit bureaus that report your your scores in, in order for you to, to understand what your fico score is right so once you understand your fico score then you can actually see where you stand and and see okay which areas of my credit score do i need to start improving in in order to 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 raise my to raise my credit score mm-hmm. now a lot of people don't understand like your credit score is broken down into five different sections which actually make up your score all right so you have your payment history your credit utilization length. all right you have your length of credit you have types of credit used mm-hmm. and then you have new credit okay so you have all 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 five all five of these aspects that make up your your credit score now the biggest two chunks that make up your credit score are your payment history and your credit utilization mm-hmm. so a lot of people don't don't realize when when you are late on a payment right that accounts for 35% of your overall score so is more than 100 points if you're late on just one payment all right so we we always tell in our company we always tell our clients that you know to make sure that you're you're setting your your bills that are being reported to the credit bureaus on automatic payments because we're all adults we understand mm-hmm. that you know that life life gets in the way you're a father right you know mm-hmm. like i'm i'm pretty sure your daughter uh takes a lot of your time and sometimes you may just forget maybe to pay a bill here or, here or there i'm not saying that happens but you know it's normal if it does mm-hmm. So having those bills on automatic payment really reduces the risk of you being late because our financial system is is set up the way it's set up in a way that is it's not forgiving and that late, that one late payment not only can it damage your score by over a hundred points but it can also remain on your credit score for over seven years, right? For seven years. That's wild. And one, I mean, I, I'm kind of getting kind of away right here, but I'm gonna ask. Um, with that, one of the quickest ways to raise your credit is to take out new credit. Yes, yes. And so, that, and that goes to you know the second point. Um, I just explained how uh, uh, payment history counts mm-hmm. for thirty five percent, and then your credit utilization counts for thirty percent. So, what credit utilization is is just a fancy word for uh, you know banks and lenders don't want to see that you're overspending on borrowed money. Yeah. Right. So the rule of thumb is you never want to be above. 25 to 30 30 Mm percent over your lending power all right so for example if if wells fargo um uh, gives you a thousand dollar credit card and you now know that you can only spend 25 percent out of that thousand that's 250 Mm dollars the moment you go over well the rule is really 30 so we'll just use 30 so if you can't if you can't use over three hundred dollars, that's that's your limit. Now, if the moment that you break over three hundred dollars, that's when it starts to really dramatically lower your score, right? Mm. So going back to going back to your point, if, I should say you're a fresh college student yeah. and you don't have any any credit at all. The first thing is the number one thing you can you can do is go to your local bank and open up a checking and savings account, and then what you can also do is get a secured card. Yeah, putting money down on it. So a secured card is something that you can actually put money down. So I should say you have two hundred dollars that you were gonna you stash away in your savings. You just use that money to open up a secured card, and your actual credit limit is tied to the actual collateral which you're using in order to secure that card. So if you have two hundred dollars, your your credit limit would be two hundred dollars. Yeah, makes sense. But now that you know that you can't go over that twenty five percent, well, really that thirty percent. 
if you only use 30% out of 200, that's really like you're losing, you're using maybe like $75. Yeah. Like $75, $70. hmm All right. So, and, and then once you, once you keep that reported to, reporting to the bureaus, that's when it's going to help start helping your score. Because now they see that, okay, this person has a line of credit and is being reported positively, is going to start assisting in raising your scores. So my question with that is, right, so even though it's secure, and we do know that you're saying along along the lines of that 30%, um, with that collateral, does it somehow help you too if you ever get to that point of $200 and don't pay? So that's the thing. So, So the banks are willing to lend and give people this this secured card because of the fact that it's collateralized so if you decide or you you default on that 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 payment right mm-hmm. that's take- your, that's your two hundred dollars so you but then lose, that's you paying the card off that's you losing out on your own money that you put down i get it though i get it though but at that same time if they take that money is that paying off the card so then it hints protecting your credit so when you when someone takes that two hundred dollars, that is their credit limit that they're using. Mm-hmm. All right. So if they go ahead and let's just say they use they max out on that two hundred mm-hmm. and they don't end up paying, you lose out on that two hundred dollars as opposed to the bank losing out on the two hundred dollars if they didn't give you any if they didn't have anything collateralized. Mm-hmm. Does that make does that yeah, make yeah. sense? All right. So it's kind of like you if you default on that two hundred dollars that, that that this card. That's just you. You lose out on your own two hundred dollars that you put down. You can't get that money back, right? So it's 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 really to protect the bank, but it's really supposed to be used as a tool to really start building credit, especially yeah. when you're young. Especially mm-hmm. when you're young. So yeah. So I think for me, you know that 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 that's a really good thing. I think a lot of people don't really understand that that concept. But secure credit cards are really great. Um, if you're a young parent or even an older parent of kids that are coming of age i i suggest you giving them the money for secured cards and you know let it be three four or five hundred dollars two hundred dollars whatever it may be that you think is important but it have the kid take it out in their name that is one way for them to have a gift absolutely once they get on their own because you're kind of helping and making sure that they're paying either through their money or whatever it may be um and giving them that kind of extra boost as life gets started. I think a lot of people don't realize how big of a help that might be to and, anything. Because if you got good credit, you don't pay a lot of money for stuff. And, and parents, they can they can even start to um, uh, teach their kids. Because if they're, if they're giving them an allowance mm-hmm. anyway, they can just go, simply go ahead and tell them, hey, well, if, if you reach at this $200 mark out of your allowance, you can go ahead and, and start practicing on how to start using mm-hmm. credit. Right, the earlier you can start learning how to use credit, the better you're off. Right, yeah. there's, there's too many people um, that go into their twenties, their late twenties, even thirties, even thirties, even forties that don't 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 understand how to properly use a credit card. And in order for you to to build your credit, you need credit. You need to understand how to properly use credit mm-hmm. because virtually you can't buy anything of large purchases unless you're buying it cash, which most people don't have without credit. So I think it's funny because. I know a few people with uh, spectacular credit scores Mm -hmm. who have a high credit usage, right? Mm -hmm. But what keeps that credit score going is because they pay it off monthly. Mm -hmm. So let's say you have a limit of $1,500 and you're using 
$1,500 a month, but you know every month you are paying that $1,500 off. Right. Does that negatively affect you or does that positively affect you? Because of what I've seen, like, I mean, I'm not an expert, so, I mean, I don't know for a fact, but right. what I've seen is I know of some people that use their credit card for literally everything. Right. And, 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 and that's actually a, a great habit to have. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, me personally, I, I use my credit cards for everything, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I haven't used, you know, my debit cards in, in God knows how long. So, you know, just going back to your example, maybe your friend, you have to understand the difference between a statement date and a due date, mm-hmm. right? So, so your due date is when the actual balance is due, <laughs> right? So if you have a thousand yeah. dollars and, you know, you go to Walmart and you shop uh, get a hundred dollars, and let's just say you have a twenty-five dollar balance. That's when your your balance is due. You say your balance is due on the fifteenth. The fifteenth is when your balance is due. Now your statement date is when the statement gets general. It gets uh, uh generated. Just gets generated and sends and sent up to the bureaus. So whatever balance that you have at the end of that statement date, that's what's being reported to the bureaus. Mm. So if you let's just say you paid on time and your statement date is on the twentieth. And it gets pulled up and they'll see that, okay, uh, um, uh, John Smith or, you know, whoever the case is, paid their, you know, paid their, their, their amount on time. All right. Okay. So understanding those two two differences, the mm-hmm. due date and a statement date, really kind of helps strategize. They can use, um, people can use to strategize to say, okay, well, I'm going to pay off this amount before my statement date gets generated. Mm-hmm. So my utilization uh, doesn't get reported. Yeah. Um so my question also goes with that is can you call your creditor or your lender and ask when your statement date is is that something that they're readily available to give you absolutely absolutely you can go ahead and and any major bank will you know willingly give you your statement date um you can go ahead and call and even in certain cases um i know we talked about just late payments Mm -hmm. before like if you're late on a payment you usually have a, a 30 day window before it actually gets reported to the bureaus. Mm. So let's just say you're late on a payment. Um, you know, people usually think, "Oh, I'm late." You know, it's going to be on my credit report. No, you have 30 days to make that payment current before it gets sent to the bureaus. So you have that little bit of time um, for yourself. Yeah. So yeah. So you're looking at a due date versus a statement date, mm-hmm. and even within that window, you still have time to pay that card off, uh, which then gives you a good standing with the credit bureaus. Just about. All right, awesome. Now, another lamest man's question. So, you know, we have a lot of things out there like Credit Karma. Uh, what was the other one it used to be before Credit Karma was hot? Uh, you're probably thinking of... Uh, the most recent <laughs> is probably credit, credit Karma that most people could think hey, of. So now, the only thing I always tell people I don't like about Credit Karma is that I feel like it's such an inaccurate reading mm-hmm. due to they only give you two right. of the scores. So one thing that I I always suggest is um is also downloading Experian. Right. So if you have Credit Karma, at least you know you can get Equifax and TransUnion. Mm-hmm. But Experian seems to be one of the ones that grade just a little bit harder right. than TransUnion and Equifax. So I always tell people, you know, don't necessarily go off of what your TransUnion and Equifax is saying. But if mm-hmm. that's rising, it's a good chance that your experience is rising, mm-hmm. just not as high. Yeah. So I usually tell people to 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 base their premise off of uh, Experian because do you usually see that they are usually like that one creditor that really makes a decision? Well, 
you know, a lot of people have to understand that, you know, credit karma is a great indicator of where you could possibly scan, uh, stand with mm-hmm. your credit, but it's not accurate by any means because of the fact that it runs off a, a totally different scoring model Oh snap. that um, most lenders, um, mortgage brokers, car dealerships go by, which mm-hmm. is a FICO scoring model. Right, so so credit karma goes off of a vantage scoring model, mm-hmm. and so you have vantage scoring models, and then you have FICO scoring models. Most lenders use a FICO scoring model. So you need all three. I'm gonna stop you right there. Go ahead. Most people probably don't know what a FICO scoring model is. Right. So can you kind of explain what that is? So so the FICO scoring model, in Lima's terms, you know the Fair Isaac uh, uh, scoring model is, is just a simple. It's a it's a it was a company developed uh, uh, decades ago mm-hmm. in order to um, collect data and information in order to configure algorithms um, to assist with lenders in um, providing uh, the most accurate scores. Mm. So in order to, to actually uh, you know, reach your FICO score, you need all three scores reported through Experian, TransUnion, and Equifax. The reason as to why they need all three uh, is because you need to draw that, that middle number, which is truly like, it's truly the indicator as to where your credit score is. So basically an average. It's not an average. You're actually you're actually taking the middle number. So let's just say for example, let's just use uh let's just say you had 600, 605 and 610, right? So your lowest would be 600. Your highest mm. your highest would be 610 and your middle number would be 605. And that's the number that they're pulling. That's the number that most lenders are pulling in order to determine your FICO. Mm, All right, okay. so you, you know that that's one of the biggest things that um, you know really separate just the vantage the vantage scoring model and the FICO scoring mm. model. Um, and 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 the FICO scoring models is what most lenders, um, you know, if you're going for a house, getting a new car, uh, you know, you know, getting a new apartment, um, the landlords pull the the FICO scoring model is what they use. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right, man. That that that's awesome. So, we 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 talked a little bit about investing early on. We talked a little bit about credit. Um, I think what people don't get honestly is one of the things is this. I, I think I want to dive in to say when you originally started looking into credit, because I think this is going to be important for where people can kind of start. What was your starting point? When you decided to start studying credit, what do you mean by like starting point? Like going clear. All right. So for me, let's take for instance when I wanted to start learning how to make shirts. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's a business that I have. Now, when I initially started, like I had to have a starting point. Like so, I'm now searching for information. Right. Mm -hmm. There was a starting point that I started at, which was YouTube. Mm That was my starting point eventually. And then I went from YouTube to understanding that we have different things like plastisol transfers. You got vinyl cutters. Mm-hmm. You have vinyl transfers. You have heat transfers, sublimation. There's so many different things that you can use to do what I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. But I needed a foundation and where to start from. So for you, when it came time for you to start studying credit and learning credit and realizing how important that credit was for you, what was your kind of like starting point? So, so for most you know professionals in this space, uh, a lot of them get accredited um, through the uh, the National Credit uh, Counseling Association. Mm-hmm. So this is something that 
um, you know, credit specialist they can they can go through in order to get accredited as a, a credit specialist and a credit uh, a counselor. But for for everyday person, uh, it's really just reading, um, you know, just simple books that, that are out there um, just on being able to repair their own credit mm-hmm. or uh, take the steps to, you know, build credit. Um, so for me, it was just not only that that certification, but also learning from from those in the space that have developed a credit repair uh, business, um, multiple six figures, seven figure businesses, and learning from those that you know obviously were more successful than me. Learning not only learning from their success, but also learning from their, their mistakes as well. And and from there, that's when I took the information and started to you know replicate it in my own way in order to help build my own business Mm. but as far as personally um you know with with me even just with myself building my own credit i think that um one of the biggest advantages advantages that i had growing up was being um an authorized user on a family member right so i wasn't behind on the game um when i was a little older maybe 18 19 years old um uh so being being an authorized user someone that was already having positive credit history on their profile helped me. So by the time I was that age, uh, I had a decent score. It wasn't, it wasn't, you know, the best, mm-hmm. but it gave me a great foundation to, to build off of that. Um, which I definitely, you know, recommend your your your, your base and your audience mm-hmm. um, to start with. If you know anyone that that's close and that's a responsible, financially responsible person, uh, to access that you can be an authorized user. And it's almost a term uh, they use. is It's called piggybacking. So it's mm-hmm. you're piggybacking off of someone else's good credit standing, and you're using that in order to help build your own credit profile, um, and 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 just you know lay that foundation for yourself. All right, all right. Mm-hmm. Um, can it be detrimental to the 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 authorizer if you f up? So you have no you have no legal responsibility if you're an authorized user. So, but you have to be careful being an authorized user as well. Mm-hmm. So if that person that you trust to um, to be the authorizer, uh, the authorizee rather, yeah, if they are late on a payment, that's going to be reflected on your credit profile as well, Ooh, see, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have to be really really careful, and you gotta you know choose the right person um, that's has you know proven. Uh, current payments for years um, that has you know have discipline as far as keeping low utilization uh, it just has you know overall good financial behavior mm-hmm. okay okay I mean I think that's dope uh, one of the last things I know I really want to get into especially for a lot of people that are thinking about becoming entrepreneurs or might be entrepreneurs out there um, can we talk a little bit about, uh, you know what I'm about to ask, the difference between line of credit versus a business loan? Okay. So, you know, I start with something that most people know, which are the the loans, right? Whether mm-hmm. it's a business loan, a personal loan, uh, any, any, what's really is called any amortized loan is something that you take out. So if you if you John walk into a bank and you take out a hundred thousand dollars and you get approved for a hundred thousand dollars, not saying that's gonna happen, right? So don't mm-hmm. people don't don't go out and and try to get a loan for a hundred thousand dollars. The bank might just laugh at you. <laughs> but <laughs> but let's just say you wanna you you wanna get a hundred thousand dollars for whatever yeah. reason, right? 
the moment you pull out that $100,000 and you sign that promissory note to pay this loan back, you start paying interest on this loan immediately, mm-hmm. right? So whether or not your your business is generating money or it needs six months to start generating money, you have to start making these payments immediately, all right? Now, now a line of credit is different. A line of credit is you, 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 you're already approved for... A, a set amount of a credit limit and this you know you can go to a bank and they'll ask you a, a, a series of different questions they'll actually actually act for ask for documentation as well so this can mean maybe your you know two years of your taxes um uh your income um they may ask for a six months of you know reserves in your your, your bank account and you can go ahead and get approved for a certain amount so let's just say whether it's ten thousand dollars fifteen thousand dollars or twenty thousand dollars you know it could be more or it could be less depending on the bank and what they're willing to negotiate mm-hmm. now this amount is already once you get approved it's it's automatically deposited into your whatever checking account or you know savings account that you have it's it's it's, 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 its own separate account now the moment any money is transferred out of this account you start paying interest on that that money immediately plus the principal mm-hmm. makes sense mm-hmm. so if you're if you get approved for a ten thousand dollar line of credit um and you never touch it and you never touch it you don't pay you don't pay a, a, a principal balance or you don't pay any interest on it but the moment you take out let's just say you take out a dollar not only are you paying you know the dollar back but you're also paying the interest as well so what are some of the best ways to use line of credit then because it seems to me as if like it's maybe the bolster capital for for, for an acquisition and they want to see a certain amount of money in your account mm-hmm. versus possibly truly using that money in a sense of growing your business. I mean, either way, you can say, all right, well, I'm taking out a line of credit right now, but I'm in the, th- in the thought process of starting a business, but that's six months down the line, right? Right. But the minute that you use that money, it then becomes an amortized loan almost, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So. Do you think that the only true uses for a line of credit should be to bolster your capital? So, you know, there's, there's different ways that you can go ahead and use a line of credit. Mm-hmm. Um, one way, I'm, I'm going to give you an example. You know, I, I understand real estate, so I'm going to use real estate for an example. Let's just say you um, let's just say you come across a, a $50,000 property, right? Mm-hmm. I should say, uh, uh, actually, I should say it's a, it's, a, it's a $30,000 property. It's, you know, one of these, you know, uh, small 1100 square feet properties in like kentucky or something like that and it costs thirty thousand dollars and you see that it costs maybe like uh extra fifteen thousand dollars in order to fix up so you're all in it for forty five thousand dollars let's just say you have thirty thousand dollars of your own capital right this is you know cash that you've saved up you know over time and Mm -hmm. this is your money and then you get approved for uh a twenty five thousand dollar loan so you can go ahead and use um a portion of that line of credit for repairs, you know that it's going to take anywhere between you know two to three months, hopefully, in order to repair the property, and then you can you could go ahead place it back on the market, and not only earn an in, earn revenue not revenue but you can earn an income from you know obviously flipping that property, but you can pay off that line of credit from the funds from flipping that property as well. Yeah. All right. Okay. Okay. I like it. I like it. So I think. For me personally, if I was going to use it, I think for me, one of the things I would probably use a line of credit for if I ever took one out was that bolstering of uh, of capital. Because, I mean, I think at the end of the day, 
and I and I'm only speaking for layman's term. Mm-hmm. After now being explained to me mm-hmm. that eventually you end up in both ways. Right. Which one is harder to get? You gotta explain a little bit more of that. All right. So which one's harder to get? Meaning, if I was Joe Blow on the street and I was walking into between a loan and a line of credit. You mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so. Yeah, honestly, it depends on the individual, right? It depends. It depends on the, the you know, uh, a lot of people need to understand the, um, you know, the five C's of credit, mm-hmm. um, which are what, uh, uh capacity. Uh, it's been a while. So that capacity, uh, capacity. See, I'm blanking out right now. I'm sorry about that. It's all right, y'all. It happens. Yeah. So capacity, um, capital. See, I'm blanking out. I'm blanking out. Don't worry. I will, <laughs> I will update the five C's of credit <laughs> I'm blanking once out, he gets to me on the five C's of credit. <laughs> I'm blanking out. Uh, I, but I, 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 I honestly <laughs> would say, you know, they, they, they both go hand in hand mm-hmm. um, as far as uh, they both go hand in hand. Uh, uh, you know, different factors come into mm-hmm. play. Uh, with getting approved for a loan and getting approved for a line of credit, so whether that's you know you know depending on the underwriter, depending mm-hmm. on who's underwriting that particular loan or who's underwriting that particular line of credit, they're looking at you know the person's debt to income ratio. They want to yeah. pretty much see uh, if you, this person is a risk averse, right? They want to see if this person is able to pay back not only this principal but also the interest that he's going to get approved for. Yeah. So. Um, I think they're both equally, you know, they can both equally be, be difficult to obtain and they, they can be is a smooth enough process to obtain as well. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I would say, you know, we're, we're going to wind down now. And uh, so you're getting married, you know, next year. Yes. So um, eventually our kids in play. Uh, yeah. Eventually down the road. Yeah. Yeah. But okay. we got to, you know. You know, we gotta build this build this wealth to make sure that they set first. You know, continue to build the wealth, and and then that way they they enter this world knowing that they have you know assets in their name. Okay, okay. So, I would say, you know, one of the big things for me that I always say, which is super important now that I have a daughter, is what I want her to come away with. Right? You know, I think a lot of people talk about, oh, I want my kid to be a doctor, a lawyer, or to be a college graduate. Or, you know, to be all this and that, right? But I think that there are a few basics that every parent should be teaching their child. Now, for me, the few basics, um, you kind of talked a little bit about it, was debt-to-income ratio, credit, and cash flow, right? Mm -hmm. If I can teach that to her, I feel like as a parent, I've done my job because now she has the ability to leave the nest, you know, because she's not growing up in a bad situation at all, mm-hmm. uh, to to be able to flourish on, on her own. Because I think that's one of the things that, that's that's missing, right? People don't tell you that that determination is, is super important. Like, mm-hmm. So if I know that I'm $100,000 in debt, but I live like I'm worth $100,000, guess right. what I stay in? Right. $100,000 worth right. of debt. Right. So, I mean, there's no gain. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I make 50 k and I ain't got no debt. Mm-hmm. I'm richer than the man that makes a hundred thousand. Right. So I think that that's where the concept comes in uh, as a parent. But for you, what do you think some of those main financial goals? Uh, if y'all have kids, you'd want to teach them. I would. I would want to teach them um, 
just pretty much everything financially that they're, they're not going to learn in school, yeah. right? Yeah, I think it's important to, to begin, and especially if if you're if you're listening and you have uh, kids of your own, um, begin to start educating yourself so you can start educating your, your children because you you can't you can't pass down what you don't know. Yeah. So if you begin teaching yourself, just you know, you don't you don't have to see you know. Yeah, I don't have to know everything, but you you know it shouldn't be an excuse for you to not to know the basics, which are the you know the the simple you know you know laws and rules of just how to manage credit and how to understand uh, amortization schedule of a loan. Right, you're gonna at some point in your life you're going to see a loan, yeah. right? So um, how to, you know understanding how loans work is 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 crucial because um, we see too many kids take out student loans in in America not knowing what they're signing. And they don't realize uh, until six, eight, you know, eight years later, like, oh, crap, what, you know, what did I do? Um, how am I going to pay for this? I have no, you know, I, I didn't even I didn't even land a job in the profession that I went to school for in order to kind of pay this back. Mm, that's so a whole nother ball. Yeah, game. man. So so really so really having these conversations uh, early yeah. um, is, is key. It, a lot of a lot of parents uh, ask me, Webb, how how early is too early? I'm like. As early, as early as early as one, <laughs> as early nah, as one or two. That's real. We started with Morgan with that. So every time Morgan gets money, I'm always like, well, what do we want to spend? Can we make something on what we're going to spend? Or do you want to put something away? Or what would you like to do? So the concept starts to happen, right? Right. So if you blow everything now, well, guess what? You're broke. Right. Versus, all right, well... All right, Daddy. Instead of me getting a whole bag of candies, I'm gonna get that little one right there for the dollar. Right, right. And I'm gonna put the four away. Right. So she I mean she got a nice little little nest egg in her room right, right now. So she's doing good. And that's good. Yeah, I better not try to run up on my house. I got something for you. <laughs> <laughs> but nah, I mean honestly, at the end of the day, I mean I think that it's so important for this conversation. It's so important what you're doing. So I mean. I will say Webb does more than just my podcast. You should look for him on uh, one of those live Instagram shows he be doing yeah, with, with, yeah, with the yeah. big time if, invested people. If you're, if you're not following, especially if you're from the uh, you know Georgia area, um, you know even though I'm from New Jersey, you can still you know get a, a ton of value from the information that I try to put out there. Um, you know to my to my followers and to and, and to my people and my mission is really just to provide value and and and, and give the knowledge that wasn't given to us yeah. um, especially as you know just you know minorities and, and and you don't have to be a minority you don't have to even be um, someone of color um, black or brown me. Um, <laughs> just giving back uh, information you can so you can go ahead and you can follow me at web the investor underscore on on instagram and also uh, i'm on facebook as well um and then you can go ahead and if you're looking um for uh, credit repair services our team um you can go ahead and book your free consultation with our team and uh during the consultation we'll discuss um uh your actual credit profile we'll look over your credit profile uh, you'll have a, a a specialist review um uh, what your what your profile needs and we'll also review any derogatory marks that we we end up seeing on your 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 profile whether that's a, a collection item late payment charge off um you know things of that sort uh and this is this is totally free uh a free service as far as uh the consultation itself and you can go ahead and follow us at uh dispute web credit dot com that's at dispute web credit dispute web credit dot com all right man that's awesome um 
just listen to you talk about the services, right? I'm asking my last question. This kind of came to me. You know, you ever know when people tell people don't pay collections? That's true. Ah. All right, we ain't going to dive into that today, folks. But I just wanted to know if that was true or not. That's very true. That's okay. very true. That's very true. All right. So I guess I guess, I guess, guess there is some good information out there. There's definitely some good information. I, I, I can't wait till we're able to do this again. And, uh, you oh, know, provide we'll definitely get down and do this again because I think that's going to be a hot topic, uh, especially for a lot of people because – it's just one of those things. But then yet again, Webb, thank you for coming out, bro. Appreciate it. I mean, I know you're my boy. You did beat me in FIFA today. But I whooped his ass in 2K. <laughs> yeah, we got a quick game before the podcast, so <laughs> I couldn't help it. Yeah, so I mean, it's been fun, man. Like I said, everybody, please follow him on all social medias. Please, if you do need credit repair, do not hesitate to hit him up. He will get you right. Yeah, and they can actually go on our website, www.disputewebcredit.com. All right, y'all. It's been another episode of We Still Ain't Got Our Shit Together. And we'll see you on the next side. Y'all keep having fun and enjoying options. All right, peace.